The secret to well-being is discovering the power that is your birthright, the power to create a happier, healthier life drawn from our own vast internal resources. Join Jules and her guests as they gently guide you to shift your perspective from the familiar negative to the divinely connected, a place that will not only positively impact your world, but possibly shift the planet. It's all right here on Law of Attraction Talk Radio. Well, welcome to Law of Attraction Talk Radio. I'm Jules from beautiful Southern California, and I'm so glad you could be with me. You know, tonight I have got one of my favorite of all-time guests on the show. Dr. Joe Vitale is going to be with us. And, you know, I kind of want to talk about a subject um, that brings us down to being human once again. Human. And the reason why we're on the planet. You know, Joe is considered to be a law of attraction guru. Of course. He knows how to manifest. He really does. He does a great job. And the same goes for me. I've manifested terrific things in my life, and I'm thrilled about them. But the whole thing is, Dr. Joe's still human, and he still has the emotions. And those emotions are so vital to him understanding the purpose of his life. The same goes for me. I have emotions, and many people have seen those emotions. And should I apologize? No, I can't apologize for being human. I just can't. The truth of the matter is, we are all learning. No matter who you consider a guru or not, we're all learning in this school called life. We're going to make a lot of mistakes. And we're going to make a lot of successes too. And when we build upon those successes, we're better able to help you with some of the things that have helped us doesn't mean we have all the answers in the world. We don't. But it's one reason that I come back here and share as many times a month as I possibly can in order to help you and maybe give you an idea or two and plant something in your head that may not work now, but perhaps later. It's all that what you are seeing and recognizing is the humanness in me. And the humanness in you. And the humanness of Dr. Joe Vitale. We're not special. We're just humans. Trying to learn more and more and more. And with, and with every adventure, there's a whole new platform to learn. It's so exciting. So come with us on this journey, especially with tonight's show, because hopefully you're going to hear a lot of things that might help you to navigate your course in life as well. The biggest thing is don't ever be disappointed in you in having emotions. You're allowed. That's why you came here in the first place to learn. (sighs) Great. Okay, well, let's take a fast break, and we'll be returning right after these short messages with Dr. Joe Vitale. It's here, it's hot, and it's a must-read. It's the science behind The Law of Attraction magazine. Every issue brings you great articles and in-depth how-tos from all your favorite Law of Attraction experts, authors, scientists, and medical professionals. Go to lawofattractionmagazine.net. That's lawofattractionmagazine.net. Did you know that every human uses only a small portion of their powerful mind? Jules Johnson, International Certified Hypnotherapist, wants to introduce you to your powerful mind in order to create your dream life. In as little as one session, Jules guides you into releasing limiting beliefs that keep you from achieving wealth, health, better relationships, and even true love. Schedule a session in Palm Springs or set up a Skype video session for those nationally and internationally. 
Jules would love to serve as your guide into living your dreams. Go to creativeguidedimagery.com or call 951-201-2166. That's creativeguidedimagery.com. Well, welcome back, Dr. Joe Vitale, my favorite of all time guests. I just love it when you're on. Thank you. I can't imagine for a moment I'm your favorite. You talk to way too many people. I'm yeah, going to be down at the bottom of the list, not the top. Oh, no, you're at the top because you know why? Because you're the real McCoy. You're the real thing. You're not pretentious. You're, you're, not, you're the real person. And I just so respect that. Thank you. I don't even know what to say at that point, but thank you. <laughs> Well, I'm just thrilled to have you on today. And we've got some deep subjects to cover. It, it has to do with this day and time that everybody's going through stuff. You have gone through a, a difficult year. I've gone through it. I, I mean, really, it's out there in the ethers. I just, where do we start, Joe? You know, I wrote a song way back, I think it was in 2012, that said everybody's going through something. And we made a video of it, it's on YouTube, and it became very popular. I had no idea just how much we're all going through. This year for me has been the worst year maybe of my entire life, certainly the worst year since the 1980s, certainly the worst year since when I was homeless and in poverty, but for different reasons. And then as I talk to people, just like you just mentioned, this has been a difficult time for you. And as I just inquire in other people's lives, I find out that people have been thrown some really big walking on fire, move the big boulders, a real test of faith, if you will, in almost every case. So, yeah, I, I think we are universally being sharpened. We'll put it that way. <laughs> Sharpened. Yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's scratchy. It's uh, really deep. <laughs> well, it is. We're being pruned for something better. We're being tested. We're being strengthened. And believe me, as I say this, I am not in any way, shape or form being flippant. I know that what people are going through is is real. And I know that it is difficult. I think one of the things we're learning right now is that the superficial isn't got to get us through. In the old days, we can just give each other feel-good, one-sentence pep talks and, you know, just do it and just face the day or put on a happy face and smile. But there are people so, so despondent that one of my own family members recently attempted suicide. And when you have it come, I got chills even saying it because I haven't talked about it or mentioned it. When you start to consider that somebody that you grew up with, somebody that you love, and in many cases it can be a family member or friend, feels so bad that they want to take themselves out, you can't just look at them and say, hey, you can get through this. You know, it'll be fine. Just go to sleep, take a nap, have an aspirin. You'll be okay. The feel-good, simple, superficial statements are not enough. At this point, we have to do what I'm calling the real work. We have to go deep. We have to go into our unconscious, subconscious, our belief systems, maybe even our collective unconscious, and clean it up. And we're all being asked to do this. Me, you, family members, friends, people watching, I think that's what uh, we're being called for. You know, there's one other thought that I was having earlier because I, I had a suspicion this would be the nature of our call, but you and I didn't talk beforehand, so I didn't really know what we were going to talk about. It was more of an intuitive feeling. And I remember I had written another song for a different album years ago, and it was about faith. And I said in the song, it's easy to have faith when the sun's shining and the flowers are blooming and everything is working well in your life. It's like, yeah, I have faith. I have faith in God. I have faith in the divine. I have faith in the universe. I have faith in myself. But when you get an illness or a family member dies or looks like they're going to die or you're up against something that really feels like, I can't do this, where's your faith then? Yeah. Where's your faith then? 
And I think that's also part of how we're being tested, we're being sharpened. As hard as it may be to imagine, all of this that we're going through will strengthen us. It will strengthen us. It doesn't feel like it. There have been days over this past year where I thought, I shouldn't be out in public. I don't feel like the happy, presentable self that a lot of people have looked at me as. I am currently going through a divorce. And in fact, today is the wedding anniversary. So I have all these mixed emotions of those memories of happy times. And now going through the rawness of a divorce, which I don't, I don't recommend to anybody. Yeah. I never knew just how emotional, expensive, uh, deeply cathartic that kind of experience is. It has been dark nights of the soul almost every single day. And, and this is for me. Also going through this, my father died. Yeah. Now, you know, at some point we knew he would leave. He was 93, but he was also physically fit and the Jack Lillian of the family. And I kind of thought he'd make it to 100. And so the, we're, we're coming up, and not just me, but everybody, we're coming up against these things where you can't push them aside. You just can't go and say, you know, I'm just going to go meditate for an hour and it'll be better. These are things where you have to wrestle with where's your faith? Where's your connection to the divine? Where is your serenity in the midst of the storm? I've had to look for this and, and find it and keep finding it and keep going back to it. And I think that's where each of us is being called to uh, stand up and deliver. I remember that you said that with Hope of Pinono, mm-hmm. if you, you're saying that not to correct the situation, but you're saying that for you. Yes, yes. And that, that I think a- that's the important thing to remember right now is that we have to do it within us, right? All of it has to be done within us. I mean, that is such a brilliant insight right there and a great reminder. Ho'oponopono is the spiritual healing technique you and I have talked about before. And there's a whole movement behind it. But this is where push gets comes to shove. This is where you really have to understand that what you're doing when you do Ho'oponopono isn't really changing the outer world. It's diluting your own objection to what's going on in your perceptions. So it isn't a matter of trying to end my divorce quickly and amicably and, you know, right now by saying, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. That's what it's not for that. The four phrases of Ho'oponopono is to help me get to a place of peace. When I'm at a place of peace, maybe the divorce will end quickly. Maybe it won't, but I'll be in a place of peace, which is really the goal. Yeah. There's a new book out. It just came out by Ryan Holiday called Stillness is the Secret or Stillness is the Key. And it's all about in every great religion, in some way, shape or form, they talk about being what I call the center of the cyclone. The world is a mess. Our lives may look like they're a mess. But if we can be that center of the cyclone, we can find that still point within us, what some spiritual traditions call the witness. If we can get there, then we can can ride with virtually anything and we'll put out more of the fires quickly and easily because we don't contribute to them continuing. So Ho'oponopono is a way to put out the fires of perception. It isn't to go and change other people at all. It's to change our perceptions of other people. It isn't to change circumstances at all. It's to change our views, our mindset, our perceptions, our beliefs about those circumstances. So Ho'oponopono is still one of my go-tos. I mean, I have been using it nonstop every single day. And at times wondering, is this really working? And at times also knowing, well, do Ho'oponopono on that very doubt, on that very skepticism. So I can get to the place of trust. I can get to the place of faith and get to what I, I sometimes say life is a roller coaster. You know, there's going to be extreme highs and there's going to be extreme plummets down the other side. But if we stay in our seat and we fasten our seatbelt, we can make the ride. Yeah. And that's what I remind myself of. So your go-to, though, is all the time with Hope of Pinono. 
It is. Now, I have two or three things that I'm doing all the time. And one of them is ho'oponopono. I'm saying, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And I'm repeating the phrases for those who may not know what we're talking about. Uh, ho'oponopono, I made popular with my first book on it called Zero Limits. And then 10 years later, I wrote another book called At Zero to dive in even more deeply. And this is the Hawaiian healing system that I had learned from the therapist who used it to help heal an entire ward of mentally ill criminals without actually working with them. He used Ho'oponopono on his views of them. And as he cleared up his views, his perceptions, they got better. So I have known for 15 some years the power of this. I have just never been in a place where I was driven, where I'm living in fire. I'm living in turmoil. I'm living in tragedy. I'm living in uncertainty and finding that this is what I do all the time. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. The four key phrases. But it's not all I do. I'm a big fan of tapping the EFT, TFT movement, if you will. I learned it from Roger Callahan, who really started it with TFT, which was thought field therapy. It evolved to EFT. They're both out there, and there's variations of it out there. I've actually created something I'll be announcing soon called uh, HFT, which is Ho'oponopono Freedom Technique. Oh, my gosh. And it's combining both of them. It's combining the I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, with tapping. Oh, fabulous. Yeah, so, well, nobody's really put them both together. And a lot of people have asked me, well, you do Ho'oponopono, you do tapping, can you do them both? And then I started experimenting, and and I, with a friend, guitar monk Matthew Dixon, will be coming out with the course within a, a couple months. It'll be this year. And it's the whole idea that instead of tapping on things like, an example would be, uh, even though I'm grieving, even though, and I would be tapping like here, even though I'm grieving the loss of my father, I deeply love, accept, and forgive myself. And I would go through the whole tapping, grief, and I'd tap over here and over here and over here. And I'd do the whole cycle that people know or can learn by doing a YouTube kind of a search. Uh, but I would do it on the four phrases, and I would take one phrase at a time. And I might just do it as simply as, I love you. I love you. I love you. Or there could be times where I feel like I don't love me. Even though I don't love me, I'm tapping on that. I deeply love, accept, and forgive myself. If you listen to the whole phrase that I use, and I think most people use at least this basic form of tapping, the phrase uh, I love, accept, and whatever the other one was, even though I deeply love, accept, and forgive myself, I love, accept, and forgive myself, that's a very Ho'oponopono-ish phrase. Yeah, it is. It's got the I love you and please forgive me and I'm sorry and thank you all in it. So learning to combine both of them is something I'll be teaching, but it's something I'm currently doing. And so I would say I always go to Ho'oponopono. I always go to tapping. And the third thing is, and I've really learned, and this might be a lesson for all of us, to really talk to my connection to the divine. To not treat it as maybe there's... um, a universe or a God or a divine or a, you know, there's different words for this. They say there's 99 names for God. All of us know what we're talking about. There's a higher power of some sort. What I called in one album, I call it the great something. I think Joseph Campbell said it was the great mystery, Mm -hmm. but it's that great something, the great mystery, the great divine that we might nod to, but are we actually in communication with it? I've been pushed to the point where I'm like, If you're there, hear me. And if you're there, speak to me. Opening up the lines of communication. Today, we are so distracted, and I'm just as guilty as everybody. My phone's sitting right here. I'm carrying it all the time, and I'm almost never without it. And if it goes off, the whole world stops because i got to go see, oh, what happened? And, you know, we do the social media thing, and I do it too. And at this point, we've got a break from that. I don't think we have to totally just flush that stuff away, but I think we have to actually have that time for meditation, for communication, for reception. I often talk about being inspired. I love being inspired. You get an idea for a product or service, or in my case, a book, and I get inspired. I'm all fired up and I can't wait to go write it. But you don't get inspired if the lines of receiving that communication are offline. 
if we're busy doing something on the internet or, you know, whatever it happens to be, television or something else, if we're being distracted, we don't receive anything and we can't request anything. So I have found that it is, it's crucial, it may be life and death even, for us to make time to receive and to request from the great something, from the universal unknown. Those are, yeah, go ahead. You, you, so you're saying that we have to, it's time for us to get upfront and personal with that higher source of energy. We can't just think it's a one-way thing. We have to turn around and listen. Now, that actually is kind of a new concept, hmm. believe it or not, because it's all about us praying for what we want, wow. but we're not listening. And what you just told us is that it's got to be interactive. It's got to be, we've got to allow that information in. And I, I don't know that it's new or not, but I think it's important. Most of us know about begging. And I think most prayer is a form of begging. You're right. It is us saying, this is what I want. Give me, give me, give me, give me. And some of the things we beg for, health and wellness for ourselves and others, those are wonderful things. There's nothing negative about them but we don't make time to receive information. We don't take time to receive inspiration. I really think meditation should just be simply listening. It's taking the receiver off the hook in terms of being interrupted by our cell phones and letting the divine call us. I've been with many people. I I remember there was one movie producer and I was talking to him and I said, are you gonna be writing another or filming another movie? And he said, no, not right now. I haven't received my marching orders. And I knew what he meant. It's like the divine gives you something to do. It's marching orders. In his case, he had been told, make this movie. And that was his marching orders. And when he had the marching orders, he went and made the movie. And until the next marching orders come in, he's kind of getting to rest. But he has to make time for the marching orders to be delivered. It's much like with me, I have not... And Jules, this is so unusual for me. I have not written a book all year. And for many people, it's like, well, so what? I live to write books. I've written 70 some books. I haven't written a book all year. And I haven't because I've been so internally occupied with my grief, with guilt, with internal struggle, with trying to understand. And here's the thing that people fall for, and I'm kind of taking the, the mask off here. They look at these social media photos from me, as well as other people that are known in the world, and they see happy faces. And they see us laughing and smiling, and we're at dinner, and they go, man, they got the greatest life ever. They don't realize I smiled for the five seconds it took to take that photo. (laughs) Right before it, I might have been in misery, and right after it, I might have been in tears. And I mean this in the most sincere way. There was a video I made when I was in Italy and my new partner and I, we went to Italy partly to escape what was going on, but you know, you don't really escape what's going on because that's going on in you. <laughs> you just, you just get to take it somewhere else and unpack it in a different climate. And I actually made a video that said that I had, I had struggled with taking my own life during the last year. And I hadn't gotten to the point where I would actually do that, but I, the thoughts came in. Those thoughts came in as like, here's one way out, Joe, you know, to do it yourself. And I made a video because I wanted people to realize, look, don't fall for the smoke and mirrors that social media puts out there. You see photos and videos of your friends or the people you admire. And you just assume, man, their life is great. And my life sucks. And comparison is one of the crimes that is always going to destroy our self-esteem and destroy our happiness because we're always going to measure up less than somebody that we see out there that we think is better. And I had made that video, and I'm pointing it out now, to say, I'm human. You're human. We're all human. We are going through what's called the human experience. Yeah. Now, what we need to do that people don't always do, like my family member who tried to commit suicide, He didn't do meditation. He didn't reach for counseling. He didn't do the internal work. And in fact, he's the greatest skeptic of my own books. So his mind wasn't in a place where he could actually 
survive, transform, transcend, and get through that. And in, and in fact, he pretty much he came close to ending his own life. He did survive that, but now he's going to rebuild from that even worse place. I think for us, what we need to do is, look, we're going through the human experience. It's okay. That's the first thing. It's okay. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to hurt. It's okay to feel sad. What I've learned with the, you know, I'm grieving the relationship I had for all this time. I'm grieving the loss of my father. I'm grieving the loss. I'm not in my own home. My, the critters that I've had, they're with the ex. I'm missing all of that. It's okay. Grief is natural. How long you grieve could be in question. You know, if you grieve for years, you probably want to do something about it. But grief itself is natural. So if somebody right now watching this is feeling sad because they've lost something, part of themselves, part of their life, where they're feeling grief, I say be easy with yourself. And we need to be easy with each other. We need to be easy with each other. My new partner has gotten sick. She's been ill in a most deathly way for almost five months now. Five months. And she's also a self-help teacher, and she's also wrestled with the whole thing about uh, why is this happening to me? To me, shouldn't I know better? Don't we believe in miracles? Don't we believe that the spontaneous remission can happen at any moment? all of which we do believe, and we're part of the human experience. We have our beliefs. We have our perceptions. We have to be easy on ourselves. Otherwise, we'll compound the misery and make it even worse. Yeah, that's so true. But I keep on thinking that, you know, sometimes you've got to go down in order to experience a new up, too. <clears throat> a, new, a new book, that's going to be blossoming out of this whole thing or, you know, there's so many other possibilities out there. And sometimes we get so stuck that we have to get a push, even though it's so painful, it doesn't feel good at all. Yeah, I, I totally agree with all of that. There's so many ways to look at this. I've seen quotes like on Instagram where they say things like, or somebody had posted something like, the breakdown you're going through right now is going to be the breakthrough new book or breakthrough new course later. And I could see that. I've actually toyed with writing a couple different books that'll come out of the ashes of what's going on now. And they're along the lines of, um, one is called, oh, I remember, When Truths Collide. When Truths Collide. And what that means is, for example, if a couple has been in a relationship for decades, but they start to drift apart, well, they still have their own truth, but their truth is no longer together. Now they're starting to be separate. Mm. Is it okay for them to go ahead and separate? There's big issues that I never looked at before. I never realized before or came to any sort of conclusion. But I do think that what we're being asked to do right now is transcend. We are being asked to be um, the caterpillar in the cocoon, going through the transformation so that we become a butterfly. And here's something I saw in a movie trailer a while back. You cannot interrupt that caterpillar. Mm. There have been people who said, well, let me help the, the caterpillar. And they would break the little cocoon a little bit to let the butterfly out. And if they broke it too soon, the butterfly would come out with a deformed wing and not be able to fly. Yeah. So in many ways, the struggle we're going through, as much as we don't want to go through it, is part of our strengthening. It's part of our birthing. Is part of the new birth, is exactly right. And we have to go through it to have full wings and be able to fly. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that makes so much sense. But doggone it, (laughs) does it ever end? (laughs) It keeps on going. Is you think after you get to a certain age, it starts getting a little easier? That's not true, is it? (laughs) No, not necessarily true. But this is the other thing we want to remind ourselves: some of what we're going through is to be expected. Yes. Some of it is the life experience itself. And this is where, you know, one of the, the philosophy that's helped me the most over the last few months is the stoicism. And I never really understood stoicism, but 
the Stoics never really put down emotions. They wanted you to understand your emotions and not be sucked into emotions like gluttony or, or, um, or even grief, because too long in any of those are going to keep you from fulfilling your mission to actually live life on earth. And the Stoics are big on really facing reality. For example, with my father and my father's dying, he was going to die someday, some point. And whenever he did, I was going to grieve it. Whenever it happened, I'd be sad about it. So on some levels, what we're going through is to be expected. It is part of the life experience. And here's the other thing, Jules, I think is really important because especially with law of attraction fans or the secret fans, they make a very fundamental mistake. They think that by sitting and visualizing what they want and working on manifesting whatever they want to attract into their lives, that there will be no rough spots, there will be no bumps in the road, there will be no diversions or detours. That is a big mistake. When I was training to sing on stage with my band of legends a few years ago, and I studied with Usher, a famous celebrity musician, he had said that you can go ahead and visualize, you can go ahead and affirm, you can go ahead and practice, you can go ahead and do everything you know in your power to give the best performance ever. But on the night of your performance, something will go wrong. He said, knowing something will go wrong will enable you to get through it without being ruffled. Ah. If you expect everything to be smooth and you visualize it being smooth, and then the night of the performance, whatever that happens to be that you're trying to attract, it doesn't go smooth. What most people do is they give up. They go, the law of attraction doesn't work. The secret doesn't work. Joe Vitale's all full of it and blah, blah, blah. They just start to go into skepticism mode. And what Usher pointed out is, this is the life experience. The power will go out. There'll be a rainstorm. You might get a cold. You might be hoarse that day, any number of things. And in reality, in that particular case, I did affirm. I did visualize. I did do everything right. And on that night, we did have some things forgotten, some things overlooked. There were some things that went wrong. Well, I was not ruffled or stopped or paused because I just thought, oh, Usher said something would go wrong. There it was. Okay, the show will go on. And the show did go on. That That is so important. That is just really so important, what you just said. It's that in the law of attraction world, we are expecting, we're affirming <laughs> that everything's going to be perfect. Right. That's a mistake. It's setting us up. Well, it is a mistake. I think there's a balance in creating reality. And this is where I think the Stoics are actually missing something. The Stoics lived centuries ago, Marcus Aurelius and the the gang, so to speak. They focused on what could go wrong in life and how to prepare for it and how to survive it. And that is very useful for us today. But they didn't know about the law of attraction. They didn't know about my work or Wayne Dyer or your show or Dr. Joe Dispenza or the modern physics or quantum. They didn't know any of that. So I think what's missing from the Stoics that can help all of us is the idea of creating our reality the way we want it, but balancing that activity with the Stoics' realism realism that some things could go wrong. So you kind of have this balancing act going on. It's much like Usher taught me at the same time. Uh, What do you want to create? I still believe in the power of intention. I still love inspiration. I still love affirmations. I still love visualizations. I still love vision boards. I love all of that. And as you focus on what you want, you have to play with the idea of what could be a bump in the road and how can we prepare for it or handle it, or just have the mental awareness that if it happens, don't be crushed. Don't be stopped. Just get up and do the next thing. I think there needs to be a balance, and this could be one of my next books, you know, The Happy Stoic, or The the Law of Attraction Stoic, something in there, where where Stoicism and Law of Attraction kind of merge together, or The Secret Stoic, maybe that's it. The, I like that. You know, this this is so important because it's like, all right, you've just manifested a beautiful new car, 
but the payments are $150 over what you wanted. So it's like, okay, you have to kind of balance that out. But realizing that it's really no big deal, right? Well, it really is no big deal. The only reason it would be a big deal is because of our perception. And that drives everything where back into us. Yeah. Back into us. That's where I think even all of the things that I was even complaining about, just, you know, grief and my father and divorce and my family member and suicide, a lot of what makes it dark for me is my perception of it. As I work on my perception, I can say things like, it is very unfortunate that my family member got to the point where he wanted to uh, commit suicide. Uh, Is there something I can do to help? Uh, does Does he need something from me in some way, shape, or form? But not be drawn into that darkness. My perceptions draw me into the darkness because part of my mind goes, oh, could I have done something? Could I have said something? I should have done this. I could have done this. Well, now I'm just screwing with my own head Hmm. and it's not helping me or him. So by having a, some more work on perception, I can get to the place where I can be a better value Hmm. to him if he needs it. And of course to myself, I'll be at peace. So it goes back to perception, perception, perception. Brilliant. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. Um, this is so vital for us to understand. Okay, now let's move it out to a bigger picture. This grief that we're seeing, mm-hmm. the violence going on in the on the planet, not right. sure, not feeling safe, worrying constantly about am I next? Am I going to be in a Walmart and and pow pow, yeah. you know? Yeah. Exactly. What how do we reframe that? How do we well, start living normally in a not-so-normal world. Right. You know, a lot, of the, a lot of the understanding that I have about belief systems and the culture and its belief systems came from Jane Roberts and Seth. Oh, yes. You remember Jane Roberts oh, and Seth? Yeah. Way back in the 70s, they were kind of the first of the channel, new agey, um, speak from the other side and get yeah. some sort of insights. You know, Abraham today has filled that that void. Right. Jerry and Esther Hicks and Abraham are doing it, and I love what they're doing. But way back, and, and recently I've started to reread some Seth, much like I'm reading Stoicism, I'm also reading Seth, to find that balance of creating my reality while also being responsible to a reality that doesn't seem to care what I think, you know? And I'm reading The Nature of Personal Reality, one of the early books by J. Roberts slash Seth. And one of the things that I always got and always remembered is that the culture has beliefs in it that we tend to group together. For example, a lot of people that are concerned about violence are finding themselves with other people concerned about violence in news groups online. It's, it's basic law of attraction without anybody saying law of attraction. Uh, for example, my, my new partner has been going through Lyme disease. Oh. And one of the big mistakes, in my opinion, she's made is to go online to Facebook and find other people going through Lyme disease. So what do you find when you go to those places? You find victims. You find people who are all victims of the same disease and they encourage and reinforce their sad stories about the impossibility of getting healed. Mm. So now there is a group consciousness there. And this is just a microcosm. There's a group consciousness about Lyme disease that actually is keeping Lyme disease active. And what's needed is somebody, and she's starting to do this, somebody to come into the group and say, look, there's some ways we we can heal this. We can cure this. And there are some people who have done it. We can get out of it. It's the same thing going on. I mean, I don't pay attention to the news, uh, but news reports the violence, like you mentioned, in Walmart or some of the cities that have happened recently or this year, where somebody goes in with a gun and shoots lots of innocent people who are just there to go buy their toilet paper and their lawn chairs. that that, That reaches me as well. The difference for me is I send that love. I don't get into, okay, where is this going to happen next? 
I don't get into, uh, I better not, I better only shop online <laughs> because I don't have to go in the stores, you know, let Amazon deliver it to me. So I don't have to go out. I don't do that. What Seth and Jane Roberts were pointing out is that that victim consciousness will grow and expand the more we feed it fear. Yeah. So we have to clip it. We, you, me, and the people that are paying attention to the, the great work that you do, and hopefully my work as well, no we are the ones who have to awaken and say, look, that is happening because of the fear consciousness already out there. We have to disconnect it by shooting love into it. When I talk about the brain and how the brain creates reality, I say the brain responds to intense emotion, which is typically love, hate, or fear. Mm -hmm. Love, hate, and fear. Most of us are focused on hate and fear. Most of the time, because it's part of our survival, our brain is saying, you better pay attention to what's scary because it could kill you. Well, that's going to put you on hyper alert. Yeah. What you want to focus on is love. And I know when you feel like you're standing alone, like you're the only one saying, oh, we need to send love to the victims. We need to send love to the shooter or whoever was involved. Boy, it feels like we're alone in the wilderness. But we've got to remember that some of the greatest heroes that spoke for love, like Martin Martin Luther King and Gandhi and Kennedy and some of the others that are out there, those are the role models that we want to live to. I have a quote on the back there. It's the only poster in this new office of mine. I have nothing in here yet. And it's Marcus Aurelius. And I can't read it backwards, but I think it says, stop arguing about what a good man is. Be one. Uh. And whether it's man or woman, when we're wrestling with how, how do we be the awakened one in the midst of chaos? I don't know, but be one. Be one. Be one. I love it. I love it. And you're right, because that fear that we have is only growing. And we've got to counteract, especially the ones who know about the law of attraction. It's up to us to say, no, we're not going to go there. It's like we have to take personal responsibility. If we want to change the situation, we can change it. We have to be the light. We have to be the light in the darkness. And, and believe me, I've struggled with this, especially, you know, I, I don't want to make this all about me, but the year that I've had with what I'm going through with the guilt and the grief and regret maybe and whatever other emotions here, I still have been traveling around the world. I mean, I spoke in Italy. I spoke in Russia. I spoke in London. I spoke in the Ukraine. I was just in New York. I'm be flying to L.A. I forget. I'll be going back to Kuwait. I am, I am doing things that put the wounded me who's still working on himself and trying to hide the inner part of me that's still the, uh, the butterfly in the cocoon. I am still going out there, and I have to remind myself, you've got to light your fire. You've got to light your torch. You've got to turn on the light long enough to be on stage, long enough to ignite the lights and everybody watching. And that's what I'm doing with you. In fact, you and I have known each other for a while. We've done our interviews before, and they've been, you know, different kind of energy that I brought to the table. And I thought about that today going, oh, boy, I don't know that I can bring the same kind of energy that I brought before. And I thought, I just need to be authentic, and I need to speak my truth, and I need to be the most loving, the most inspired, the most helpful I can be for you and the people watching. And that's what everybody needs to do. We need to turn on our inner light and walk around with it on to the best of our ability. Yeah, because that's what's going to change the world. It's not staying in the pity party. It's letting that go and bringing it out. You know, I reread the book Pollyanna recently. Oh, I read read that on your Facebook page. I love that. The book came out in 1913, and it's been made into various movies. And I thought, what? I wish I had written it. It's a masterpiece, a by God masterpiece. The book is a breeze to read. And people have made fun of Pollyanna saying, oh, she's just kind of dismissing the harsh reality of life. And I did enough investigation about the author and, of course, read the book to realize that's not what she was doing. 
Even the author said Pollyanna was very aware of the awfulness at times of life, but she was also aware that if she paused and looked, there was always something good in every moment and in every person. And I remember taking that on, and I'm kind of bringing it up because it's a wonderful technique, if you will, for everybody to consider. In every moment, in every person, there is something good. I admit, sometimes you got to really meditate on it or on him or her (laughs) to find it. But the whole point of the book and the whole point of the author who wrote the book is that it's always there. It's always there. And that is the law of attraction at work. When we find the good and we point it out, then we're expanding that good. And as what we're doing right now is reminding everybody, it's like, hey, here's this little game you can play called the glad game. And all you do is look around and you just find something to be glad about. You can call it, find something to be grateful about if you prefer, or something to be that's good if you prefer. But Pollyanna called it the glad game. And we could all play the glad game. And when we play the glad game, we start to dilute that chaos, that fear, that violence, that disorganized dark energy that's out there in the world. We start to dilute it. And that's what we need to do now more than ever. More than ever. Right now, we have to change the way that we are looking at things. We have to see it and then change it. Absolutely correct. And it's up to us. So all of the listeners out there, you're included. (laughs) You're included in this because if we're going to change the world and we have that ability Mm -hmm. in the mass consciousness of the things, it's time that we start doing it now, not tomorrow. And I want to point out something because I know when I've said this before, some people will think, oh, that's great for Jules or that's great for Joe Vitale because they've got a following. They've got people that are watching them. And they think, nobody's really watching me. And I kind of point out, you're always being watched, not, not in any sort of scary way, but I mean, people are observing you and your behavior and your life. And if you start walking around happy and loving, I've often said, if you just take one phrase of Ho'oponopono and just said, I love you over and over and over again, as you went about your life, you would have more of a twinkle in your eye. You would have more of a smile on your face. You'd have more of a serenity and a relaxed body as you went. And people would notice that. And occasionally they might even say, uh, who are you and what do you do? Or they get curious. And here's the other thing. It's, it's going to sound kind of funny, but until my new partner and I moved into this house, which is we're still moving into it right now. I've been in an, in an apartment for eight months and I haven't been in an apartment for 45 years. So this has been another mental adjustment. And one of the highlights of being in the apartment is I can look out through one window and I can see through two apartment buildings and there's a dog park. And in that dog park, there are people who bring their dogs, but one guy and his French bulldog are there two or three times a week. And it's like my favorite television show. I wait for them to come. I watch them. And he has no idea. No idea. I'm watching. And he and his dog changed my life. They changed my life. I see them play. And it's more the dog playing than him. I think he's doing it for the dog. But I see the French bulldog. He's running around. He plays with little kids. And he'll chase any other dog that's there. And he's just living to be in the dog park and living to be happy. That man and that dog don't have a clue who I am. They don't even know they're being watched, but I see them almost like watching primetime television. I don't have a television, but it's like watching primetime television. I look out the window through two buildings to look at a dog park to see a man and his dog. This is the kind of effect you can have on people. You don't have to know a lot of people. Just the people that you see, which could be the mail person or you know, the, the grocery checkout person, will suddenly have a spring in their step and they'll feel happier because of you. This is what our duty is. So whether you've got fans of a million people or you know, two people down the street who know your name, it doesn't matter. This is our, our chance to make an impact. And we can. Wow. Oh, Joe, that is brilliant. Uh, I can't thank you enough. And, and, you know, I've got to be truthful. Today, 
at this moment, you have helped so many people understand life a little bit better and you've made their life easier. And for that, I'm so appreciative. Thank you. You're always supportive of me. You always give me a platform to share. Thank you for what you are doing for me and what you're doing for everybody. God Ah. you. I love you. I love your audience. Thank you. Thank you. I love you too. And thank you for being on the show today. Oh, we didn't mention before we go, I just, Joe, you're, you're doing a cruise. Tell the cruise. Oh, yes. Tell well, the cruise. Well, it's a secret. I'm not supposed to tell anybody. <laughs> uh, uh, actually, it's called The Secret Cruise, and I think it's at thesecretcruise.com. And, yes, it's going to be at sea. I think we, we go to the Cayman Islands, as I remember. And I am the featured speaker. I'm going to speak every single day on all aspects of the law of attraction, the movie, The Secret, The Missing Secret, Ho'oponopono, The Awakening Course, stuff that I'm into today, probably Stoicism by then too, and how to use the law of attraction with it. But I'm not the only speaker. We got Michael Abedin, who's the publisher of Austin All Natural Magazine, who's a great storyteller. He's the MC. Guitar monk Matthew Dixon is my partner in creating some really beautiful serenity-oriented New Age relaxing music. Um, Harry Be Happy is a former Buddhist monk who carries gongs around, and I've been gonged by this guy where you have a gong and he's pounding it or beating it and playing it, and the cells in your body vibrate. And there's a yoga teacher, a Reiki master, there's music, there's all kinds of things going on. But it's The Secret Cruise. It's thesecretcruise.com. And I think they still have seats available if people want to come on board and have a vacation at sea with me and the gang. Oh, yes. And I can can see that's going to be a good time for all and very uplifting. And you're going to walk off the ship just dancing. Right. Are you going to be singing on the cruise? Oh, you're going to put me on the spot, huh? I, uh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> just bring your guitar and then you have it. You'll just, just bring your guitar. A couple no, of, I guitars. will, I will bring a guitar. Yeah, okay. I will do that. I have a good time. All right. Thank you so much, my friend. I so appreciate you coming on. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll be back next week with another great show from law of attraction, talk radio. If you'd like to comment on tonight's show, send an email to jules at loaradionetwork.com and have a great week.